Welcome to Pop Culture on the Rocks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pop Culture on the Rocks. My name is Anna, and I'm here with Callan. And guess what? We have our first guest. Well, I am so excited because our very first guest is my very good friend, Sarah Rather. We became friends in college, and she has volunteered to educate us on some exciting things I think you're all going to be um, interested in. So welcome, Sarah. We're very excited to have you. Thank you. Very um, honored. And I just I just feel really blessed to, you know, be the inaugural guest <laughs> of Pop Culture on the Rock. Thrilled. Love a good talk and a good drink. So this is up my alley. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of, what's everybody drinking tonight? Yeah, so when Callan told me that that we were going to film, not film, you know, record tonight. I said, I'm going to make a mark because I've been on a homemade mark kick. But today is my dog's birthday. Happy birthday, Pinto Bean. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, two years old. We're very, we're very proud of him for achieving this age. Um, <laughs> but my husband and I made party tea for his birthday, which is not really as fancy as it sounds. But I can let you guys in on the recipe if you'd like. Yes, please. So it is approximately one jug of Milo's unsweet tea. Very precise <laughs> measurement. <laughs> it has to be Milo's and it absolutely has to be unsweet because the other ingredients are three random fruit concentrates. So literally whatever they have at the store today, they had lemonade and nothing else. <laughs> then you add whichever kind of fresh fruit you want. So I have some limes and oranges. And then you top it off with literally whatever alcohol you have. Um, it's a very college recipe tonight. I chose <laughs> vodka. But it's like one of those things, you know, once in a once in a blue moon, you just throw throw it together and very college, very uh, you know, not a not a mid twenties drink, but definitely brings back the good mem. So we're having it in a gold solo cup, living my best life. Here to here to have fun. There you go. Party in a cup right there. I like that you can like just use whatever you have on hand or whatever's at the grocery store. Just like it's basically a new drink every time. I feel like that's fun. Basically. And instead of I usually do a lemonade fruit concentrate, you know, the ones that come in the small like cans in the frozen mm -hmm. section that are like way too sugary. And that's why you need the unsweet tea. I usually do lemonade and fruit punch and they didn't have fruit punch at the store. So uh, my husband picked up crystal light packets. So we're having <laughs> fruit, fruit punch crystal light packets. It tastes great. It's a party drink. It's not supposed to be fancy, but I'm glad it's getting its debut as well. Shout out to Mallory for giving me this recipe in college. Awesome. I think that's kind of like our podcast in a nutshell. We just kind of throw stuff together and it turns out pretty good. So that's well, right. happy, to, happy to be home. Happy yeah. to be home. <laughs> well, I am drinking this. It's from the brand Stiegel or Stiegel. I'm not sure. It's German, obviously. But it's a grapefruit beer. And mm. I got it at Whole Foods. I got a four pack. And the reason I bought it is because I'm trying to relive the grapefruit beer at Epcot. It is so good. Now, I'll say that it's not quite to Epcot level. This one is a little bit too sweet for me. Mm. But I mean, it's the best I can do not being at Disney World. So there you go. Yeah. Gotta work with what you got. 
Well, I am trying something a little different. Uh, we had a request, actually an email, because we're we're cool. We're there. We have emails now. We got an email from Elizabeth from Mississippi who said she would like to see us take two hard seltzers and put them together and see if it elevates the flavor at all. So hmm, Elizabeth, wow. Yeah, coming out with the big guns. I have a mango flavored seltzer and a lemon flavored seltzer and I have just put them together and they taste quite good. I wasn't really sure like what flavor profile Elizabeth really wanted. She didn't specify, but I figured, you know, mango lemonade sounds pretty good and it turned out pretty great. So I recommend it. If you want to double fist a little bit, I think that's the way to go. Just combine the two and keep going. Two for the price of one, really. Right, exactly. Two two birds, one stone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did you get White Claw or Truly or what'd you go for? I got truly actually. Okay. I I actually put White Claw in my in my cart and then I don't know Destiny hit me and it was like you should go with the truly for some reason. I think because I had White Claw last last week or two weeks ago. So shameless plug. I need I need to make a plug. Have you guys tried the Vizzy hard seltzers? I haven't, but I just got one. Last time I went to the store, thoughts? 10 out of 10. Local to the to the South, and I think that there's superior seltzer on the market right now. Okay. Not trying to fight anyone, but <laughs> I do prefer them over the White Claw. That's good to know, because I'm planning to try it next week when we have our next episode, so. Let me know. Let me know how it goes. The can's really cute, so good graphic design. Hey, I'm all about that packaging. I will pay extra for good packaging. That is exactly why we bought it. We said, oh, these cans look nice. Let's get it. <laughs> exactly. It goes a long way, people. <laughs> it's true. All right. So we've talked about what we're drinking. What has everybody been watching? So when Callan told me, you know, be thinking about this, I said, well, I've been consuming a lot of, of material, you know, with quarantine. But recently, and by recently, I mean like yesterday, we finished Mindhunter, which I don't normally go for like scary serial killer shows. However, I do love a good Jonathan Groff drama. So was into it from the get go. And it was very good. Like it only scared me a couple of times. So we're here for it. Of course, Hamilton. I've watched it about six or seven times since it came out on Disney Plus. Not a shame. Awesome. Hard Knocks finished it yesterday as well. And then also umbrella academy the dark horse of netflix is <laughs> it's pretty good it's it's nice it's a good watch it's a nice change up from the uh regular you know superhero rescue show it's, it's pretty good yeah so did you watch just the first season of mindhunter or have you seen it all now we've seen it all we binged it like over the course of a week and a half which probably wasn't great considering it's so heavy but great time loved it my favorite character is bill and you know season two no spoilers but mm, mm-mm. <laughs> i haven't seen season two yet but i enjoyed season one because that's like right up my alley and i knew ed kemper i knew the real story and i was very like impressed how they kept um true to real life and I just thought the quality was really good. It's good. It's good. But with Mindhunter, I am usually not like true crime girl. Like it kind of freaks me out. So I have to stay away from it. Except for Law and Order SVU, which will be my show till I die. But <laughs> Detective Olivia Benson. So Mindhunter, yeah. And I really didn't know about Ed Kemper at all because I stay away from that kind of stuff. And my husband looked up the picture, like his real life picture, the casting that they did. I was like, oh my God, like this is incredible. Like the same exact mannerisms. Like it was so crazy. The mustache, ugh, incredible casting. 
They did very well. I was very impressed by the whole cast, really. So I've got to get on season two. I w- I've been struggling with prepping for this question because I feel like I haven't been watching a ton, but I have um, actually seen most episodes of Million Dollar Beach House on Netflix. And like I have seen a lot of Million Dollar Listing New York, which is on Bravo. And I feel like that's supreme within that category. And I saw like a couple episodes of Selling Sunset, but I didn't stick with it, even though I know it's like very popular right now. And it has more of the drama than the real estate. I feel like this, this one is trying to be in between those. It's set in the Hamptons, so seeing the houses are, it's incredible. But yeah, I would say it's pretty good. I think if I'm going to recommend that kind of show, it's going to be like Million Dollar Listing New York or LA. But if you're just super into real estate and you like a little bit of drama, I mean, you're not, it, they're short episodes, so you might as well just put it on, even if it's in the background. I'm trying to think of what I watched recently. <laughs> We have very different things that we're talking about right now, so I love it. We just watched the new Phineas and Ferb movie, which just came out on Disney Plus. Uh, Candace Against the World, Universe, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) World, Universe, Galaxy, you know what I mean. Uh, It was super cute. We love Phineas and Ferb already. That show is fantastic, and the movie was really fun. You know, one of those that you can watch with children. And on that note... I just started watching the last season of Fuller House, end of an era. So I have a little bit of a theme going on right now, but I have a question for both of you guys, which I feel like is pretty uh, current with the times. What do y'all think about the ending of Keeping Up with the Kardashians? 2020 kicking us where it hurts. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Out for blood. Yeah, I, I still refuse to believe that it's true. Like, that's where I am. Yeah, denial. (laughs) yeah honestly that's one of those shows I thought was gonna be on forever like it just seemed like it was gonna transition to the kids yeah it's it's the end of an era 2020 keeps bringing us the the gut punches I'll say (laughs) I know my feelings are hurt some kind of bad I mean it's it's on the level of like what like wheel of fortune at this point like (laughs) Yeah. How, how how are we going to move on as a society without the $20 salads? I'm not sure, but I'll check back with you guys later once I figure it out. <laughs> Anyways, as we recuperate from that, does anybody have a reason why Callan and I should be on The Amazing Race? I definitely do. And Sarah, if you don't know about this moment, because you don't watch The Amazing Race, right? No, I do not. Well... My reason tonight involves an iconic Amazing Race moment that I think you will find hilarious. So perfect. Anna and I should be on the Amazing Race because we will go down the water slide. (laughs) Now, for you, Sarah, and anyone else who doesn't know what that means, years ago, there was a season of the Amazing Race, very good season, great cast. So they were at the tallest water slide in the world, which is tall, but I mean, it's still a water slide. Like it goes inside a tube. It's not that bad. Well, there was a couple and they get there. They get to like the top where you hop on the water slide and she says she refuses to do it. She starts crying because I guess she's afraid of heights. I can't remember exactly, but she was so terrified. Her boyfriend, they'd only been dating a few months, so I'm pretty sure they broke up after this. Oh, absolutely. He he was telling her like, you just need to slide down. Like you have to go, you have to go. She sat there on the slide for 
a long time. I would not go. At one point, he almost pushed her down. Like, he grabbed her back and almost yeah. pushed her down the slide. When another team got there, you only had five minutes, or you had to get up and let them go. So the team that arrived is this team. It's two guys from the Harlem Globetrotters. And so they got there, and they started telling her, you know what, that looks scary. I don't think you should do, do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> like, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Well, her time runs out. She hops up. And then, of course, they immediately go down the slide. Absolutely. Well, the team ended up going home because she would not go down a water slide. And there are some intense challenges on The Amazing Race and, like, some actually scary things that people have had to do. This is not one of them. And they went home because of that. That's something Anna and I would never do. We would not go home for that type of reason. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, no way. Not a chance. I believe in you guys. You would go down it. Thank you. Smiling. Definitely. Laughing, even. <laughs> rejoicing. That would be like the worst thing to me is going home because you're like too scared to do something. Right. Because yeah. like, at least if you do it and you go home, it's like, well, we were too slow doing X, Y, Z, but... Man, that would haunt me. I hate that. Especially when it's just you and you're letting down your team member. Like, he was just like, really? You're going to throw away a million dollars because of this? Like, Right. Yeah, that poor guy. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But it's a great moment. Find it on YouTube, anyone who wants to get a good laugh, because it's crazy. I absolutely will. I'm looking for another show to follow now that Survivor is, is not filming. You know, thanks, Corona. Highly recommend The Amazing Race. It's so fun. I think y'all will like it. And it's actually going to premiere the new season, unless they change it again. It's going to premiere in October. Oh, oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely check it out. That gives me just enough time to research everything about it. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Perfect. Sarah, I hear you're here to educate us about something very exciting, very thought provoking, very um, existential if that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Yeah, quite literally the highest form of culture that I can possibly think of. Mm -hmm. So when I heard that you guys were doing this podcast, Pop Culture on the Rocks, I said, one thing that is the most relevant piece of pop culture that I can think of is Twilight. Absolutely, 300%. Nothing beats this piece of literature that we were given in the early 2000s that was later made into a movie as we moved into you know the 2010 <sighs> takes my breath away but yeah so I don't know if you guys are on TikTok but I am a millennial who has joined the talkers as we call ourselves and we don't call ourselves that I downloaded it as a joke and I'm also that creepy adult that has no profile picture or any videos I just have an account <laughs> <laughs> just there to consume you're just scrolling yeah, just <laughs> Just there to scroll. I hardly like anything, but I definitely send a ton of messages when I find one that I like. So I'm I'm that TikToker. My husband, however, has made like a few videos with our dog, but you know, besides the point. Anyways, so you know, Stephanie Meyer, author extraordinaire of the Twilight Saga, gifted us with a piece of news. You know, early quarantine that she was releasing the new book from Edward's point of view, which I can't speak much on because I've not read it yet because in grad school my brain can only hold so much information at one time but there has been a resurgence of twilight culture twilight I don't memorabilia there's just so much on tiktok and I have found my way onto the twilight corner of tiktok 
more often than not. And when I heard about this podcast, I said, Kellen, you have to talk about Twilight. You simply have to. <laughs> um, so I'm here to say Twilight is back. We are back, ladies. And I will always and forever be a team. Edward, Jacob sucks. I don't care what you say. If you like Jacob, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. <laughs> but one thing, one thing that stood out to me as a millennial who lived through the, you know, midnight premieres at the movie theater and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the t-shirts, the Edward cardboard cutouts, you know, everything. So many red flags. Like, why is this a love story that we love? Why? Like, simply why? Why? What are, what are your thoughts? First of all, is everyone team Edward in this room? Secondly, <laughs> why? Third, are you also noticing these red flags as an adult? So I will start out and say... We are not on TikTok, so first of all, we appreciate you keeping us updated on what's going on. I'm here to educate. I watch what people send me, because I feel like it's just personally curated for me. People know me, and I wasn't right. super into Vine. I I somehow missed that, even though everybody else was. Wow. I know you were a big Viner, Sarah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Sweet angel. <laughs> I don't know about this Twilight Resurgence. I obviously knew Midnight Sun was coming out, and... I'll circle back to my thoughts on that, but to answer your question, I think, so I read the books back in middle school as well, not really because I was interested, but because everybody else was, and I felt like I needed to, and then I started the first one, and I had to know what happened, so of course I read all four. You have to know, (laughs) yeah, middle school me had to know, simply had to. Exactly. I I think I was initially team Jacob because I thought Edward was creepy. I saw those red flags you were talking about. But it it was early on that my opinion changed because Jacob just got really whiny and annoying. So whiny, so clingy, ugh. He really needed to read the room that he was never gonna beat Edward, okay? <laughs> Literally, and, and truthfully, could never turn into a vampire simply because he was a werewolf. So just hang it up, Jacob, read the room, you're right. So as far as the red flags go, I always thought the I like watching you sleep thing was a little bit much. <laughs> the biggest um, of big red flags. That was a very large one. And then um, how she preferred death over not being with him. I thought that was a little extreme. Especially for middle schoolers who were reading it. I'm like, I don't know what this message sends. And and yet again, (laughs) might I point out that the first book, she is like 15 years old. Like she is like in mid high school. It's It's not till what, Eclipse, that we see her graduate or Breaking Dawn Part 1. Like, she is in high school having these, like, like, I want to die and be with a vampire for the rest of my life. Like, (laughs) who are we joking, Stephanie? Like, what? (laughs) These words on this paper. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, first of all, I feel like whenever this series came out, my friends were kind of like, are you reading Harry Potter or are you reading Twilight? And if you read Twilight, they're like, "Mm, a little bit of judgment, but they were reading Twilight also. Okay. So for me personally, I was not permitted to read Harry Potter when I was younger. Plus, I really didn't like to read when I was in like elementary school whenever it came out. Just full disclosure. So whenever Twilight came out, 
everybody was all the craze and I'm like okay I feel like I need to be involved in the culture around me so I decided to, to read it and I got it and fell in love with the book as you everyone does there you go hook line and sinker and I'll admit I was team Edward as well you have to be yeah although I will say I have read all of the books not like the spin-off ones or whatever but the ones in the actual series I've read all of those right. But I've only seen Twilight, the movie. I've not seen any of the other movies. Oh. So maybe I need to be educated oh on that. Oh, my goodness. Simply, <laughs> Curious okay. to see how different that is. I'm sure uh, it's kind of cringy, but I love but cringy. Cringy in, cringy in the best way possible because the movies were mediocre at best, but there's just some kind of allure that brings you in. It's the... You know, it's the soundtracks for me. It's the grungy Hot Topic vibes for me. <laughs> like it is, it is just the best aesthetic. Like I don't, I don't even know. Wow, I wish that I could rewind and have you know experienced none of the movies because I would love to watch them again. I watched them all in quarantine and made my husband sit through it. And halfway <laughs> through each movie, he he just gets on his phone and he's like, "I'm sorry." I'm like, what don't you like about this? Like, what's there not to like? So, wow, that's yeah. really They're on Hulu now. I think. Oh, that's good to know. Maybe I should get on that. But Mm -hmm. you bring up a good point. The soundtrack. Oh, immaculate. Oh, my gosh. I was like, is this the same movie? Like, Mm -hmm. that has the soundtrack. Anyway, the music is really good. And I enjoyed the books. (sighs) Yeah, there were a lot of red flags. Um, The creepy relationship on both sides from Bella and from Edward were uh, quite, quite the cringe. But, okay, the whole deal with Jacob is in love with Bella only because she's got some kid down the road. That, that confused me. Um, I would love some, some, yeah, to me, it was kind of like, this is uh, the author's way of kind of like dismissing that like Bella never felt anything for him and it was just because of her child. I don't even remember what it's called. Like Renesmee. Yes, Renesmee, yeah. <laughs> worst name in history. <laughs> the, the literal worst name. Yeah, what? What a curveball, stuff. Like, out of all the things that she could possibly do to let us know that Bella really never had feelings for Jacob, she says, oh, I'll let him imprint on her unborn daughter. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm very well versed in this language because I just watched all the movies. But what a way to keep us guessing. <laughs> I never, never would have guessed that. So, like, when I read that in the book, I was like, wow, that's convenient. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's one way to describe it. Yes. Yeah, you don't have to worry about Jacob coming after you anymore because, you know, he's imprinted on your daughter. So in the movie, I think what got me was like, of course, like he comes in the room and meets the baby and like he's immediately in love. Basically, you can see it on his face, which is just already a instant. little odd. Yeah. And then like since she's half vampire, half human, you know, she grows rapidly. So like mm-hmm. they they let you like see him like hanging out with her almost through her childhood. It's like a quick little montage, you know. And uh-huh. so you see mm-hmm. him, like, hang out with this, like, eight-year-old. I'm <laughs> just like, this is getting too far. <laughs> like, They're, like, skipping rocks on her 18th birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird. 
it's just very very odd um yeah yeah that was a very strange uh story choice i think because if you really think about it that's super weird Mm -hmm. super weird (laughs) uncalled for some will say yeah so what i'll say about like some of the other characters i liked that we got to know jasper more in the third book eclipse Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I am a firm, firm believer that Eclipse is the worst book in the series and therefore the worst movie. And here's why. I'll stand by that. That book is over 600 pages long and the entire book is a build up to that fight with Mm -hmm. Victoria and the other uh, bad vampires. The newborn. Yes, the newborns. And so you you get all of... (laughs) I know, I know. No, this is super helpful. (laughs) No, it is. And it's just like, I've forgotten some of this. I'm like, oh, wow, this is something. Don't Um, don't worry, I have it. It's in my back pocket. (laughs) You're our expert. So you have all that build up. And like, I like getting to know like a little bit of Jasper's history. But the entire book is nothing but them prepping for this fight. So like nothing's really going on. And then the fight is wrapped up in like one or two chapters. No main characters die. And I guess that's okay, but, like, if we're going to compare it to Harry Potter, as some people did, even though I think this is a... I don't think they no, need to we're, be mentioned together. We can't. We no, can't. No. Not, not but, as for me in my house, we will not compare those two. <laughs> but if you think about, like, any other thing besides Harry Potter, it's not just that. A major, like, battle or something like that, you have to lose, even if it's just a side character, to really, like make you feel the emotion and like connect to Mm -hmm. the pain of this event you've got to lose an important person and instead of that they're like oh hey we're done the fight's over they come back and get bella and they're like we're good now (laughs) like what yeah don't worry (laughs) bella you've been sitting on this mountain this whole time (laughs) doing absolutely nothing because edward won't turn you into a vampire yet yeah yeah easily i'll stand on that with you yeah eclipse yeah trash thank you the best book and movie, and I will argue to say soundtrack, New Moon, number mm-hmm. two. Okay. There's just something about Edward leaving her within the first five minutes of the movie that just really, I don't know, it's like absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, I'm team Edward anyway, so to see him leave, it's like, okay, we'll get to know Bella a little bit more. We'll have that season, uh, you know, montage where the song Possibilities playing in the background. I'll sit for it. <laughs> Which in reality is very reminiscent of my quarantine experience. So that has been playing on my Amazon Alexa quite frequently. But yeah, New Moon, it's just something about it, man. It's just its just simply the best. I like that one. Now that you're talking about it, I feel like I forgot how much I liked that one. Because I always say the first one is my favorite and they should have stopped there. <laughs> but I do think New <laughs> oh, Moon... Oh no, don't wish that on her. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they, needed to, they needed to keep going. <laughs> we needed all of them. But I do think New Moon is good now that I'm thinking about it. And I, I do like the ending where they reunite mm-hmm. and like all of that stuff goes down with the Volturi. I think that was really good. They get to meet Dakota Fanning as a vampire. Like, yes. what else right. can we ask for? Simply. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. And um, I'll say I was sitting here like as you were talking, I started laughing to myself because <sighs> speaking of like red flags, it came back to me <laughs> how she started. <laughs> she started like realizing that he would appear to her in visions like if she 
got her adrenaline pumping. Right. So like I thought about like her motorcycle, like her driving the motorcycle, trying to wreck it on purpose, and then her jumping off the cliff. All the while, she is still in high school. Like we are still in high school. Like, she's still in high school. These emotions that she was feeling are not even possible for her brain development. Like, let me get into my bag of counselor <laughs> education. She's not developmentally able to experience all these gray areas that she's experienced. <laughs> Definitely really, she just took it and ran. She did. She really did. That was next level. I hope no one followed in that, that example. Well, it is a cult classic, so I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Listeners, if, if you know someone who... If you've lost a loved one due to Twilight New Moon, please let us know. <laughs> yeah, this conversation is its just so outlandish. I mean, vampires, Dakota Fanning, Voltori, but it just draws me back in every time. I always notice, like, on the first one, the, like, blue tint that everything has. Right. Beautiful. <laughs> An artistic choice. It was, and they had to remind us every second of every scene that they were in Forts Washington. They simply had to. They couldn't let us forget it, except the time when, you know, they t- Edward takes her up to the hidden area and, you know, I know what you are, that, that token scene. <laughs> we get a little bit of sunshine, but it's only to prove a point, not because, you know, the residents of Forks actually enjoyed a sunny day. The memes, the amount of memes with... I know what you are. Say it out loud. I mean, the there's stairs. Some good ones out there. Yes, the stairs. There's some good ones out there. Yeah. The uh, the so the the TikTok Twilight Corner that I have pitched a tent at numerous times really capitalizes on the beautiful piece of music called "Spell of Lullaby" by Carter Carter Burwell, and there's like a twerking dance to it that people do to just this beautiful piece of classical piano music. Oh god! I'll have to send it to you guys. I'll have to send it to you. But yeah, that is a that's a big one on TikTok. The uh, if Twilight characters had a specific mask in quarantine, and you know, Jasper's is always like bullets or guns on it because he was a Confederate soldier. And but there are just there are just so many there are just so many good good things that have come out of out of this franchise this beautiful beautiful piece of culture well i want to come back to the tiktok stuff but you mentioning the jasper mask totally reminded me that in eclipse out of nowhere he has a southern accent i'm like where has this been (laughs) well and you know so he was recently a newborn right because when that whole when we get to know jasper in eclipse he's like he's like fixing a truck or something i picture him like sleeves rolled up like dirty like you know oil rag in his hand which is just probably not the case but that's how i'm picturing it in my mind right now but we we never hear him because in new moon he's the one that like almost killed bella causing edward to flee and then in twilight he just stares the entire time like he has no lines i'm convinced you know (laughs) but then yeah but then he does speak and it's another curveball thrown by our, our girl steph saying you know what bam he's gonna be from what georgia who knows deep south (laughs) like i haven't haven't thrown a southern accent in yet let me sprinkle that in right now where i can (laughs) that's true as we're creating this new backstory (laughs) well for the tiktok stuff i think that is super interesting just that like 
it's made such a comeback on there and yeah speaking of the soundtrack like i it was a great soundtrack like um iron and wine is on there mm. come on yeah bonnie bear those like dancing scenes are i mean come on it's beautiful and then y'all know robert pattinson is singing on there Yes, more mm-hmm. the reason to be team Edward. Man can sing. True. Yeah, <laughs> but let me sign. So let me sign. That song has also been very popular on that corner of TikTok because there are people, you know, much younger than I am, that are listening to the song, saying, "Oh my God, like this is so angsty. This is just my mood right now." I'm like, yeah. And now Robert Pattinson is Batman. Like he couldn't just continue doing, you know, a, a music career. Like, why can't we have that? But, you know, hopefully Batman will, will actually get to be released next year sometime. Because, you know, he popped positive for COVID. So, yeah. prayers to Rob. What won't? I, I'm actually, I would be very interested to see him as Batman. So, I'll be tuning in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Love Edward as a, as a bat. Because <laughs> he's a vampire. Get it? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I just saw it. I just <laughs> made that connection. <laughs> I did want to ask about Midnight Sun. You haven't read it. Isn't this something that, like, wasn't this mentioned or rumored years ago? Forever ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought it sounded like very lazy writing. Isn't it just, like, the same book but from his perspective? That's my understanding. I Like I said, I've not read it. I plan to read it at some point, you know, after I graduate. But, yeah. But apparently it's, like, a good read. It's, you know super long like all the other books like we're you know approaching like probably five six hundred pages but from what i've heard it's pretty good but i don't know if i want to you know listen to the same story just from a different point of view you know i'll watch the movie with a pair with a pair of glasses on you know (laughs) i don't know but i'm here for it i support my girl stephanie and whatever she does and yeah glad edward's finally getting the credit he deserves i mean he kind of held that franchise on his back so it's true. Yeah. You know, I his perspective is probably going to be a lot better than Bella's, so maybe I will read it. Yeah, Bella. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> she is in a league of her own. Bowling shirt, flare jeans, bowling shoes, first day of high school at a new town. Like, what are you thinking, sis? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> that is so Ugh, true. The worst. No, Charlie didn't help her. <laughs> no, but... But Charlie, you know, we never really got a lot of him, but he seemed to be fighting some demons of his own. So sorry he got that daughter, you know. Yeah. Like, that was really a strike against him. <laughs> I felt really bad for him. I feel like he just never knew what was going on. No. And then she, like, literally gets pregnant and they're like, should we tell him that you died? And she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> All the while, let me put this back in context for us. She just graduated high school. <laughs> oh, the emotional burden. Gosh, so ridiculous. But close to my heart, you know, if anybody has any questions, let me know. Like I said, I just recently watched all the movies again. So therefore, I'm the closest thing we have to an expert on this, I think. Definitely. I agree. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and educating us on what we didn't know. And honestly, just helping us relive our Twilight memories. Absolutely. That was a great walk down memory lane. Yeah, it's just ridiculous enough to be nostalgic at this point. So I'll probably listen to the soundtrack. So there is a specific soundtrack playlist on Spotify if you're just craving that, that music. Yeah, I'll be playing that for the next 48 hours straight. Someone, you know, 
tell my husband that you're thinking about him. But yes, good times. I love a good Twilight, a good Twilight chat. It was wonderful. Yes, thank you. Well, um, do you want to plug your Instagram or anything that you're doing? Oh, yeah. Well, currently finishing up grad school. That's pretty exhausting. But this was a really nice, nice little respite in the routine. Um, yeah, uh, at Sarah Demaniac on Insta. <laughs> Um, I don't have a Twitter because it stresses me out. Uh, Facebook isn't that cool anymore. So yeah, at Sarah Demaniac on Twitter. Not Twitter, Instagram. Who am I? (laughs) Yeah, it's mostly pictures of my dog now that I have a dog. So yeah, happy birthday, Pinto. Love you, bud. Everybody wish Pinto a happy birthday. We need some, some love. Yes, sending him lots of birthday wishes. Well, this one's dedicated to Pinto. He deserves on his birthday. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell him. He's going to be thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been so much fun. I think we all needed a good laugh, and I got Mm -hmm. mine. Definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. Of course. Honored, happy, about to go to sleep, and just be very reminiscent of this conversation about something so dear to my heart. Dream of Edward. I'm so glad. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) quite a big transition we're about to have right here. But uh, speaking of creepy people watching you all the time. (laughs) That was a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Just thought of that right (laughs) on the spot. Transitioning to our weekly update on Big Brother 22 All-Stars. Last we saw, there was a... An HOH competition and Christmas won HOH. <laughs> Silence. That's all I um, gotta say about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, personally, I was cheering for Davon at the end of that uh, battle, but here we are. Uh, Christmas was HOH and nominated Bailey and Davon, the Black Girl Magic Alliance. Do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, so my first thought is I know at the end of last week's episode, I said, I'm hopeful that there's a crazy week. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for some excitement. This is not what I asked for. <laughs> no, not at all. And also, I'll say, be careful what you wish for. We got a crazy week, and we got some excitement, but in my opinion, it was all ridiculous excitement. (laughs) Exactly. That was my thought, too. Like, everybody was like, oh my gosh, this season's so boring. The feeds are so boring. I'm canceling my account. And then this week comes, and it's like, whoa, okay, well, here we are. Well, starting with the BB basement, since that was early in the week, we saw some people get powers. Um, David's reaction was really funny to see. (laughs) That was hilarious. I love, I think I've seen that a GIF now, and I love it. Of him taking the packing peanuts and, like, throwing them in the air. It was great. I'm so glad he ended up redeeming himself by winning a power. I like how they're acting like this is a new room, like we didn't just see it last year. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This never existed before. Yeah, I, I was really glad that they brought in this new twist. And personally, I feel like David's power is the most powerful. Because from my understanding, he can basically, so once the HOH nominates two people, he can null that nomination, right? Right. From what I understand, he saves a nom and forces an HOH to name a new one. The person you save is safe for the entire week. 
the saved person, whether it's him or someone else, cannot be a replacement nominee. Okay, wow, yeah. It's definitely even better (laughs) than the others. It's for sure the best. Um, Danny, (laughs) I had already heard that she was, like, upset about what she got because she thought it was not really a power. And you could see the disappointment on her face when she got it. So her... Hers is called The Replay, which if she wins HOH, she can compete the next week when you normally would not be allowed to. Of course, she's like, well, I'm not winning anything. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's like, that is a great power, but she's struggling winning some of these competitions. So I don't know what's going on with her in that she's not doing super well in the comps. I, I think she's throwing some of them, but she's usually like a strong competitor. So she just didn't seem to have a lot of faith in herself, but she's won a lot in the past. And then Christmas won the third power, the blocker, I believe. And that allows her to block herself from being a replacement nominee from the veto, or she could block someone else i think that is a really good power i mean essentially she can't get backdoored if she assumes that's a possibility if she knows someone is gonna get backdoored she could potentially help them so or use this to like get someone on her good side i don't know yeah the bb basement was good hopefully that will cause some extra spice in the next couple weeks um but the nomination ceremony I think may be a good place to start because Christmas decides to nominate Bailey and Davon. And she says that her reasoning is because Bailey named Davon as her untouchable, which is like the key word for this week. Goodness. I know. It was it was really funny because Ian was having a conversation with I can't remember who it was she was who he was having the conversation with, but he was trying to understand what untouchable meant and he was like so it's a final two. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. I, it may have been Devon that he was speaking to. I don't know. And it's like, okay, well, how's that different from you have a final two deal with that person? But anyway, so that was Christmas's reasoning that she gave to Devon and Bailey. And if you watched her, she was like crying about it throughout the day. And she was like crying more than the nominees were. At least that first day, whenever she nominated them. I think even Bailey or Devon said, like, wait, I am the person who can feel that way. Like, why are you feeling this way? Yeah, exactly. The best part of Christmas crying a lot was the fact that Devon, who killed it with the DRs, especially regarding Christmas this week, I thought they were hilarious. Always. (laughs) But she said that Christmas was a mess and called her an unwrapped present, which I (laughs) snaps to that one. That was a good one. The Christmas puns were here to stay. Devon is TV gold. Always. She is. She She was really encouraging to Bailey, who took it harder because... Bailey not only felt betrayed, but she also felt like she really messed up by telling Christmas about her relationship with Davon and felt like she hurt not only her game, but Davon's game too, which I think is what was upsetting her the most. And Davon was doing really well telling her, you got to get your head in the game. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I think she, Bailey especially, definitely was hurt being betrayed by that. But yeah, even more so, she was just like 
And Devon even said that. She's like, I didn't even do any of this. Like, why am I up here? Yeah, it was a very emotional week for everyone, but especially in that that whole situation. Bailey just, even from the beginning, felt really, she seemed to feel really betrayed. And now, like, I pop in on the live feeds, but I am not a, you know, I'm not constantly on there. So there is stuff I miss. I try to, you know, read up and see what's going on. But I feel like this week, we could have understood a lot more what was going on and how people felt if we had been shown the Christmas and Bailey relationship leading up to this point. Right. I'm not surprised they didn't because it seemed irrelevant. Like that was not important to show in the weeks prior. Yeah, one of the negatives of having a live show is that they had no way of knowing that that was something that was going to come up and be such a huge deal. I at first didn't really understand why she was so... you know, felt so betrayed, but it seems like they actually were really close. And on a friend level, you know, I don't know what Christmas has told her about. It sounded like she said, I would never put you up. I would never Mm -hmm. target you. And then she did. Once I knew that, I felt like it was a little bit clearer. Yeah. And that, and that was another thing is, you know, there was a lot of murky water as far as Christmas was hearing that Davon and Bailey were targeting her alliance and then Bailey and Davon were hearing from Tyler that Danny is targeting them and then Danny confronts them and uh, says that Tyler is betraying them. So it was a lot of just like he said, she said, back and forth. I'm sure very confusing for Bailey and Davon, especially just like trying to figure out who is telling me the truth and who can I trust? Who do I target next week? Things like that, uh, I'm sure, did not make the situation any easier. Just not really knowing what to even think about the whole situation. Danny really got herself out of that pickle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she got the attention turned completely away from her. So, because in that first episode of the week, it was not looking good when Bailey confronted her. She was not lying well she didn't really have excuses about you know having targeted them so I don't know she turned that around even though it was on Tyler which I mean was true to a certain extent but she turned that around for herself so you had the veto and it was the mathcathlon and all women were competing because Ian wasn't feeling well and couldn't compete which was sad but it was interesting to see that play out and of course it's the veto comp I always really like with the prizes and there's always some drama it always you know shows kind of where people's priorities are I just always think it's an an interesting one um so which speaking of uh sorry I'm kind of jumping ahead in the end Bailey gets a punishment and we did not see that in the episode tonight. You're right. You're right. I wondered that because last night I realized like we never saw the decathlon. And then I was like, well, I guess they'll fit it in tomorrow. And I realized there was a lot of the fight stuff to cover. But at this point, are we even going to see it? I, I assume not now that she's gone. Um, I know there were a couple people talking about it, like on all the live feed updates and everything. But... Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, that's but, kind of a bummer. Yeah, Nicole got her, gave $5,000 to Devon and got the, was it the Slopatard or something? Yeah. <laughs> Sloppies. <laughs> yeah. Which just looks ridiculous. It's so funny. <laughs> so Christmas ends up winning the competition and uh, 
to me, that's when all of the even more kind of drama and confusion and betrayal starts happening again. Um, Tyler, this in the episode, they kind of start the conversation with they realize like people have noticed that he's lost weight and that like he's not really eating. Uh, talking about missing Angela. Then we see Tyler talking to Bailey and Devon saying uh, how he's not really mentally in the game anymore. He doesn't want to be here anymore. Um, Just wants to go home to Angela and wants to go home this week so he doesn't have to go on jury and be away from her for that long. And a key point that he says that I don't feel was really emphasized in the episode but is something that a lot of the community is talking about is and this is not a direct quote so I apologize if that if I um don't say it correctly but Tyler says something along the lines of you two are here for a bigger reason beyond myself and beyond the game and there are a lot of interpretations you can take with that statement which can make it even more tricky to navigate because some people took that to mean the Black Lives Matter movement. Other people took it to mean wanting an African-American woman to win. Big Brother, finally, just an, just a black person in general. We haven't had one at all. So there was a lot of just like deeply rooted things that we all, I, th- I hope that all of us fans really want is for diversity and for everyone to feel like they have a an equal playing field, which unfortunately is not the case a lot of the times. So Tyler comes to them saying that and says that he wants to tell Christmas to put him on the block, take off one of Bailey or Davon, put him on the block, backdoor him, and they send him home so he can go home. And they were so touched by that. Such an emotional moment, I think, that they both had. But, you know, even Bailey says on the in her conversation, once Tyler leaves, she's kind of like, I don't want to get my hopes up because for many reasons, I'm sure just no telling what she's been through as far as being betrayed by people who say they want to to help her. And then just her relationship with Tyler is a complicated matter, especially inside the Big Brother house. So that was a difficult conversation to watch, especially since we knew kind of what happens later on. Tyler ends up going up to the HOH room to talk to Christmas and let her know, I'm ready to go home. I want to do this for Bailey specifically, is my understanding. He wanted to to have her come off the block and be replaced. And... Christmas is saying, I can't do that. Like, I get that you want to go home, but that's not best for our alliance. It's not best for my personal game. And she is just not down for that. And who knows, from my understanding, a lot of the feeds were cut for that conversation from what I've heard. So I don't know if we know all of the information that was shared between Christmas and Tyler. But basically, Tyler leaves that conversation from my understanding, knowing that he is not going to go up as a replacement nominee and Christmas is set that she's going to keep the noms the same. And uh, I don't know how how much further out this conversation happens, but Tyler does have a conversation with Bailey, which I personally watched on the feeds where Bailey is practicing her veto speech and talking about how uh, someone is, is playing this game and all of these things and Tyler's saying like, well, don't say my name and never mentions to Bailey or Devon that he's had this conversation with Christmas. Christmas is not on board to put him up and 
they come the veto ceremony, Bailey and Davon were, I think, kind of blindsided by it. I think they had, you know, a sliver of hope that maybe we'll both make it out of this week here, still in the game. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of conversation online about this, and I I don't think we're gonna really want to get in the weeds of everything, um, because it's hard to know what people's personal motives are. I personally like to think that... (laughs) think the best of everyone and hope that they're not trying to be malicious, especially using someone's personal experience outside of the house and using grace or any of those motivations that are so much bigger than $500,000 and so much bigger than the Big Brother game, which in the scheme of things is so minuscule in comparison. So it's it's hard to, to navigate all of that, but you could definitely see the hurt that was in Bailey's heart and in Davon's heart, both for each other and also in just that whole situation. This is a hard situation because like you said, how can we know people's you know, true thoughts or motivations when we haven't seen everything? And even if we watch the feeds all the time, we still wouldn't know everything. And it's hard when there's so much chatter online and people are spewing their opinions. And I don't want to be like biased by any opinions that I'm reading, good or bad, of people. So I feel like the only thing we can do is just go off the information that we do have, what we've seen, and then what we feel like we know is true about the people involved. My personal opinion is that Tyler did not do this maliciously. I saw someone online saying, maybe Bailey even said it to Davon, but I know this whole situation was compared to Dan's funeral. And I don't think that is the same situation because first of all, like Tyler was only at risk of going home because he put himself in that position. It wasn't because he just like failed the game. People said he's trying to fix his image because People started getting, you know, sketched out or like ratting out on him. And this is him trying to cover his bases. I don't think genuinely that he came up with that whole plot to volunteer to go home to make himself look good in the eyes of America. On his first season, that was not his intention. He came out of the house singing America hated him and he won America's favorite player. He seemed genuinely like, whoa, I thought people hated me. I think it really bothers him to think that people hate him, not because of a game, but because of a personal thing. I don't think he would ever do something, and who am I? I'm just a person that's watched him. And like, I've listened to other people that know him, their opinions of him and what they say about him. I think he wouldn't want people to think badly of him on a personal level, like whatever about a game level. But I don't think he wants people to think he's a bad guy. And I think it was really getting to him because he knew he had really hurt Davon and Bailey. Yeah. As far as the, he didn't tell them, like if he knew that Christmas wasn't going to do it, this is just speculation, but my instinct would be he probably, he should have told Davon. I don't know if he ever did. The Bailey thing, I can kind of understand because based on what we saw, Christmas basically told him what Davon told her, which was she wants your head on a silver platter. True. I think he felt very rejected by that. And yeah, he said, you know, I thought like I handed her an olive branch and she broke it in half. I think he was really, I think he was upset on a personal level and felt rejected and maybe didn't tell her either because he was mad or just hurt or 
whatever it may be. But I don't, I just don't think it was malicious intent. Now there, I'm not saying that he's completely innocent, but I don't, I don't think anybody in this house is completely innocent because (laughs) no, not only are people just like going to mess up anyway, whether they're in the big brother house or in the real world. I think that this house messes with you so much and no one knows what's true. It's just, I give people grace when they're on this show to a certain extent. Some things you gotta be like, uh, okay, that's not good. But this messes with your mind to some extent, so I don't think people necessarily behave how they would in the real world either. Yeah, I think so too, and um, it's hard because like with this situation, honestly, I can see where Bailey and Devon are coming from as far as feeling betrayed by him and feeling like, I wonder if Bailey thinks, you know, wow, this is almost feels like a repeat of our first season together and then at the same time you can see where Tyler's coming from as far as like you know he's not wanting to be here so he's like well I want to um to make amends and hopefully help someone that I haven't helped in the past so that situation's murky and difficult to deal with for sure but I'm all I always go back to it's like man being on the block has got to be like so emotional and dealing with all of that situations got to make it even tougher and kind of transitioning um i i don't know exactly the timeline i don't know if it was the night of the veto ceremony or if it was maybe the day after um not really sure the timing but as we saw on the episode davon and christmas have a conversation it looks like in the bathroom to where davon's trying to explain what she believes that bailey is going through emotionally and why she is upset and hurt personally by what happened with Christmas nominating them. And Christmas comes across to me, how I interpret it, uh, a bit defensive. And I I think she struggled to really understand where Davon and Bailey were coming from and mainly just looked into herself seeing like, well, I did this from a game perspective and I did this for my own game and didn't, I don't believe she said anything about her alliance, but... From where she's coming from, she thinks my game move is totally valid and you shouldn't be upset about it because this is a game move that I made. When on the other hand, Davon's trying to explain, no, she's, Bailey is seeing this as a personal game move. Again, another quote from the episode (laughs) that we heard a lot. Personal game information. <laughs> information, thank you. Yeah, that's 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 right, yeah. So Davon is, to me, the bigger woman and realizes that her emotions are starting to bubble over and realizes that she needs to step away from the conversation. So she attempts to leave. And Christmas, I think, like they said, kind of uh, sprinkles the fire with some a bucket of water um, in an attempt to, to who knows what trying to blow up everything and bailey walks into that kitchen and danny is like and she's like wait what's what's going on (laughs) and danny i think attempts to you know kind of tell her what's going on and so bailey goes in you know wanting to i think help davon and try to figure out what this situation's about and oh it's like walking in like bailey is walking in to a room that's on fire and she opens the door And the smoke, like, just slaps her in the face. And she's like, whoa, I just walked in here. Like, what's going on? 
you need to calm down. And, and Christmas says, you know, I need to calm down. And yeah, so Bailey walks into that conversation. Um, personally, I think she walks in with a pretty calm demeanor, kind of like, whoa, what's going on? Like trying to assess the situation. And Christmas comes at her a little aggressive saying, um, you know, you can't separate the emotional game with the strategic gameplay. And Bailey tries to explain, no, I know exactly how to separate those things. But her relationship with Christmas, I don't, I can't remember who said it. I don't know if it was Bailey or Devon who said they're, that Bailey and Christmas relationship was super close. Mm -hmm. Like one that she and Devon's relationship were similar to how close she was with Christmas, which like you said earlier, was a surprise to a lot of the audience. But I mean, that's not a surprise to Bailey. And she had such a close personal relationship with Christmas and felt personally betrayed by being put up on the block and not really understanding why are you even putting me up here? And so there was a, a, a very heated verbal argument where Christmas is saying, you need to understand what I'm doing and you need to separate your emotions from the person, from um, the strategic gameplay. And Bailey is saying, no, I don't, in this situation, I don't understand why you did this. There's so many other bigger targets than me and Davon and we weren't coming after you and feels just portrayed by her which is a totally valid opinion. And when it gets even more heated, Christmas is, you know, pointing fingers in Bailey's face and clapping in her face. And both Devon and Bailey attempt to walk outside um, to the backyard to cool off. And both of them say, you know, like, I cannot be heated in this argument because a stereotype that society has and opinions that people have of black women is oh, she is aggressive, she's crazy, she's argumentative. And I think that's a very valid point that she says, because I think that's, that's something that Bailey and Devon have dealt with in past seasons, is they have an argument with someone, and they are seen as the aggressor. And I, like a lot of the times I can't even remember who they have the argument with but you always see the argument with Bailey and Tyler and if you know the backstory of uh what Bailey is going through it makes it even more saddening and just a tragic moment but and it's totally understandable from their previous seasons where they're villainized for that for <laughs> for having a valid emotion which is being upset, being angry, and trying to have a conversation with someone who doesn't want to have the conversation with you and just wants to yell at you. So it was a tough argument to watch. And I think myself and Callan, we are not part of the black community or a person of color. So I can't speak from personal experience. But I can only imagine just how painful that can be and just an extra layer of stress and an extra layer of having to be on guard for your character on Big Brother. Like you can't just go in and play the game however you are. Like you have these stereotypes and you have how you're going to be characterized by society and Twitter culture is a real thing. So anyway, that whole, that whole argument was, was just 
super frustrating and sad. I don't know. What do you think, Callan? So, first of all, as far as Christmas's defensiveness, all I saw was a lack of compassion because you can feel one way and you know what your intentions were. If this was strictly a gay move to you, okay, that's fine. But you've got to understand if this is somebody that apparently you were very good friends with and you told you would never target them and then you put them on the block without them even knowing, then you need to be able to take a step back and say, I know why I did that. And like in the back of my head, I know my alliance and I understand for me, it was a game move. At least that's what she says. But you still have to understand how the other person in the situation is feeling. I think it's important in the house and in real life that if you hurt someone and you had no idea you were hurting them or you you know, it was completely unintentional, and they tell you that, your response should be, I'm sorry. It should be, thank you yeah. for telling me that I did that. I had no idea. I apologize. It should not be, well, this is a game, and here's why you're wrong. No matter what, it doesn't matter what your t intention was. If you hurt someone, especially your friend, just own up to it and say, I'm sorry, because that's all they needed to hear, and that's all Davon was telling her. Davon wasn't saying, you've screwed your game over. This was a horrible game move. She wasn't talking about the game. She was saying she's hurt on a personal level. And Christmas didn't want to understand that. Because I don't think Christmas wanted to realize that she hurt someone on a personal level. So. Right. Yeah. That was problem number one. <laughs> problem number two was Bailey and Davon acted so well in that whole thing and you know I thought their response was great and the way they handled themselves was great and Christmas just whoo she escalated it so I just think she took it next level and it didn't have to be and I second what you said about you know their points of they could not act the same way Christmas did that's a valid point so there's just a lot of layers to this and mm. Yeah. It's hard because it went outside the game on a friendship level and on a society level. So I don't know. I think it was, um, it was, they handled themselves very well and Christmas did not, in my opinion. Yeah, there were a lot of emotions and <laughs> I kind of think the way that Kevin was in that situation <laughs> is kind of like, us as an audience because we're just like mm -hmm. yeah okay I think you need to go back to the HOH room <laughs> I know I <laughs> oh that moment was hilarious and she's just like no I'm gonna stay down here and he's like okay then <laughs> that's your choice I tried to help you yeah. I tried to help the situation yeah it was it was a rough Ooh, it was a rough time, and I can only imagine how it was living in that situation. Just the amount of motions and all of that going on. But anyway, so the video was not used, and we get to eviction night, and both women had amazing speeches talking about how beautiful their their friendship is and how they're going to be friends for life. And Bailey goes out 9-0, I believe. So Davon's speech was 
incredible. I wish there were awards for speeches. She mm-hmm. would definitely win. Um, and I thought it was really sweet to see their friendship. And I would have liked to see them go further together. I think that would have been awesome. But I'm very happy that Davon is still in the game because I just think she's a gamer and I'm curious to see what she does now. I really hope her and Tyler Mending Fences works out and that they actually can be some sort of duo work together. I just need Davon to be able to get some numbers because I don't want her to be the next target for no reason. Right, and and I heard that there was at some point some meeting with Davon, well, well, all the girls who were left, and they were saying we need to stick together. There are all these guys and we need to take them out. And I agree. <laughs> You know, girl power, and I like it when there's a lot of good competition and it's not just, all right, we're the big group taking out everyone one by one. That's, as we saw in the last several weeks, it's not great TV. Yeah, I'm tired, and I think everybody's tired of an alliance, you know, just running the house. Like, I think it's more interesting when there's two sides of the house and it's like, ooh, who can win Right, who's going to win HOH? Right, 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 yeah. But when it's like really one group of people and then everybody else is just randos getting picked off, that's not interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So Right, exactly. And unlike our wish that we had last week where we said we do not want boring Big Brother, that wish is still true. We do not want boring feeds. However, we do not want this. Exactly. We don't want um, all of these issues going on between the house guests to where I can only imagine how it makes people feel and brings up a lot of hurtful memories and personal experiences that people have had. So, you know, Big Brother is here to be entertaining and yes, have moments to where we acknowledge societal problems that we have and systemic issues that we have. I'm all for that. I think that's a great platform for us to all jump on board. But yeah, this was a rough week. So I'm hoping it can only go up from here. Oh, I will also say about the fight, the Ian Towel moment was the laughter we all needed. (laughs) But it really was. It's it was one of those like, man, if he ever needed a comic relief, it was Ian right there. Also, it was a very sad moment. I got teary eyed when Cody learned that his grandfather passed Mm. away. That was very sad. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a real moment and a sweet moment, I think, where everybody came in and, you know, tried to show him some love. Yeah, and realized that, like, hey, this is just a game, and outside of this, life is still going, so. Exactly. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers to the Califuri family. Well, this was a really fun episode. Thank you again to Sarah for joining us. That was so much fun, and I'm excited to have more guests on in the future. If you would like to connect with us online, you can follow us on Instagram at Pop Culture on the Rocks Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Pop Culture OTR. And if you want to be like Elizabeth and send us an awesome drink recommendation that I think was a success, am I right? It was. Definitely. Then email us at popcultureotrpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Let us know where you're located. We would love to find out more about all of our listeners. So thank you so much for your support. 
and cheers.